It is good to be here this morning to worship with you and to celebrate All Saints Sunday together with you. You know, All Saints Day is officially on November the 1st and has been that way for some long time now. Uh, All Saints Day, if you're interested, was first uh, celebrated in Rome on May the 13th of 609, or maybe it was 610, when Pope Boniface IV consecrated pantheon in Rome for the Blessed Virgin and all the martyrs. It stayed around that date until Pope Gregory III moved it to its current date, November the 1st. And so that's when we celebrate, recognize all saints, is on November the 1st. Churches who follow the common lectionary will celebrate the 1st of, the, of, of November or they will wait till the next immediately following Sunday and that's what we do here. And as we think about, as I think about the saints who have come before me, who have impacted my life, who have informed my faith, I think of many people. My grandfather, William James Roberts, his wife, my grandmother, Allie Mae Roberts, my Aunt Nell, my Uncle Charles, a family friend, Paul Tarver. My father-in-law, Ken Hunley. And then there are those people who impact my faith in ways that I will may never understand. People who I may never have even met. But because of what they did and how they lived, impacted the world in which I myself live. They've informed my faith in ways that are beyond me. And so I think of Leanne's grandparents, Gladys and Claude Fields. I think of Blanche Hunley. I think of Aub. I think of people that I never even knew. And I give thanks to names I don't even know. But I know that my life has been impacted in ways beyond measure because of family, friends, and loved ones for generations have lived lives that we would call saintly, that are gracious, that are loving, forgiving, and powerful. That's what we do today. There are people in this church There are saints from this church who I have never met, never had the pleasure or honor of knowing, shaking their hands, greeting them at the door. But I know that they impacted the life of this church, of this congregation. And in so doing, they impact me. And that's why we are here. That's why we light candles for those that we name in our hearts and our minds. We lift them up and give thanks to God. It's a powerful thing to do, to be able to pause and breathe in faith and exhale all of our fears. That's what we do. As we think about um, this Revised Common Lectionary that I mentioned. This is a three-year cycle of reading the, through the Scriptures. And, and we're in cycle C now. We'll start A in Advent, the 1st of December. 
as we begin to close out the Christian year, the church year, that the, this lectionary follows, we, we, we approach all saints to, as we make our way to the Christ the King Sunday at the end of the year. The final feast day of the year is Christ the King, and this year it will fall on the last Sunday of November. And so in the month of November, we find ourselves trapped between the all saints and Christ the King. And we're invited to think about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that we find where the saints have lived and live to the kingdom that, has, that was promised, that has come, and is coming. And we are invited to reflect. We're invited to pray and to give thanks for this kingdom that we find unfolding and inbreaking in the world in our midst that we call the church that we call the holy ones of the most high saints brothers and sisters in Christ it's a powerful day to sit here to be present with one another and to know that the saints are here with us in some cosmic way some mystical way some eternal way. That is power. And now we have this common lectionary. We have these three uh, scripture readings before us from Daniel, from Ephesians, and from Luke. And when we look at these readings, did you listen to those readings? I listened. I read them again and again, and I thought, I've got to find something to preach out of Daniel. The beast comes out of the, out of the seas and, this, and the winds from the four corners are blowing across the seas and here this beast comes up out of the sea. Daniel offers these visions and dreams, this apocalyptic language, this, this writing that is unveiled, is, is being revealed to the believers, to God's people, to tell them. To reassure them, to reassure us that in the midst of chaos, in the seas of the world, even as God's wind, God's breath hovers over the waters, blows from the four corners across the seas, we have this beast rise up. Four beasts representing four kingdoms, four rulers. Daniel writing, reflecting back on the time of Babylon, the Babylonian kingdom that exiled God's people all over the Babylonian empire, scattered them, the diaspora, scattered God's people, enslaved them into oppression. The Persian empire follows the Babylonians. And in the Persian Empire, the, the God's people will find some sense of hope, some sense of freedom, but yet it's just another earthly kingdom, another earthly ruler rising up out of the sea of chaos of creation. God's presence is still there. God's breath, God's wind still blowing across the seas. God is still with God's people. And the Persians, just another earthly empire with its own set of trials and tribulations that will lead to the Greek Empire 
that will lead to the Seleucids, Hellenistic rulers of Palestine, when we finally reach its apex of ridicule, pain, and trial when Antiochus Epiphanes IV celebrates paganism and offers sacrifices in the holy temple in Jerusalem, erupting in a Maccabean revolt to reestablish Jewish rule, Jewish religion, Jewish culture. But it leads to the Romans and the Roman Empire and Roman rulers and Roman oppression rising up out of the sea. It's so much, this vision is so much that it gives poor Daniel a headache. And he asks for relief. He asks for understanding. And the messenger explains that even when all of this is happening, the holy ones of the Most High are still there. God's people, God's chosen are still there waiting, expecting the promise, looking for the promise of God's kingdom that will come. In Ephesians, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. Paul's writing from prison, and that's important to realize. As Paul is sitting in prison, probably awaiting death, he writes to this church encourages them in their faith. And in this writing, he has this cosmic understanding that God is reconciling the world, all of creation to himself, not just humanity, but all of creation in unity and harmony. And he's doing that through the church, through the saints, God's people, and then we arrive in Luke. And I wanted to read early parts of Luke in chapter 6 because it really gives us an idea of what is happening in this passage. Luke tells us that Jesus had gone to the mountain to pray, to reflect, to be alone, to talk with God, to have a communication with God, to hear and to listen. And while he's there on this mountaintop, he names his apostles, the twelve. And then they come down together. They come down this mountain, Luke tells us, to a plain, a plain, a level place. Off the mountain. Into the chaos of the world. That looks like a mass. A, this, this crowd just pressing in on Jesus and the disciples. To touch Jesus, to hear him. To be affected by his power, to be cured, to hear what he has to say. What word of wellness does he have? What word of healing does he have? What word of, what word of wholeness does he have for me? And if I can just touch him, I can feel his power. And people were healed, people were cured. And that's when he pauses and Luke tells us that he, he looks up at his disciples. 
having the position of a rabbi. He is sitting and people are gathering around him. So he looks up and he says to his disciples, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, and when they revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. You are blessed. Jesus, in offering these words, these blessings, begins to turn the world on its head, to turn it upside down. It was the cultural understanding that if you were blessed, things were going well for you. And if you were going well, if things were going well and life was good and life was easy and comfortable and you, were, you had your feel and you had your wealth and your place and people loved you and they applauded you, then you were blessed by God. And Jesus takes this whole understanding and turns it upside down. Because the kingdom of God does not look like the kingdom of this earth. The culture of God does not look like the culture of this earth. And he turns everything upside down. Then he moves into these powerful woes. One, re- um, one commentator I read said, look at the woe, and he interprets the woes as saying, Yikes! You ever say yikes? Yikes! That's what Jesus is saying. Yikes! Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and you will weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Jesus reiterating, affirming that this world is turned upside down from the way God intended, from the way God is reconciling the world to himself. And not just us as humans, not just us as people, but the whole universe, all of creation, all of the cosmology is being turned upside down by what God is doing with his people the saints, the holy ones of the Most High. Blessed are those that we lift up for showing us a different way to live, a different way to believe, a different way to faith. Blessed are those who face the world and said, I will not do it the world's way, but I will do it God's way. Thanks be to God for the saints. Thanks be to God for you. And in whatever troubles we find, in whatever empires we encounter, know that God's kingdom was promised, has come, and is coming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.